When you grow up in the Boston area, as I did, you learn a few things. You learn, for example, that turn signals are optional. <laughs> you learn that monsters do exist, but there's only one, and it's big and green and 310 feet from home plate. You learn that car keys and khakis are homonyms. <laughs> As in, where'd you put my khakis? <laughs> you learn that you have to have at least a foot of snow on the ground before it's a real snowstorm. None of this two inches and everything is canceled nonsense. And somehow, everybody learns the theme song from Cheers. <laughs> Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. You guys know this, right? Yeah. And they're always glad you came. Cheers, that much-beloved sitcom that ran through the 80s and the 90s, was set in a Boston bar, and therefore became a point of great pride for the locals. Now, for those of you who never saw it, or who, like me, were a child when it went off the air, the basic premise of the show was the unlikely community formed by this collection of seemingly incompatible strangers who were all regulars at the same bar. A place where no matter who you were or where you came from, everybody knew your name and was always glad that you came. And over time, this motley crew of misfits grew to really care about one another and as the audience, so did you. Now, to my knowledge, Cheers never addressed the issue of organized religion in its episodes, but it has always struck me that the church could do worse than to have the same theme song, to strive to be a place where everybody knows your name and is always glad you came. Because it gets to the heart of what an authentic community is built upon. The profound power of what it means when you really know and are known by someone else. A community built upon this kind of reciprocity of knowing is a sacred community. Because the idea of knowing and being known, knowing God, being known by God, knowing Jesus, being known by Jesus, knowing your neighbor, being known by your neighbor, this kind of community is the central unit of the Judeo-Christian faith. Our religion, in other words, has never been an individual endeavor. For it began with the formation of a people the people of Israel, a people who took as one of their core memories the night of the Passover, which we just heard in our reading from Exodus. And from this formative night, as they go out to cross the Red Sea and wander in the wilderness and claim the Promised Land, a community begins to form. An identity is forged and a new nation is born. A nation whose fate is tied to the collective, not the individual, but the whole. 
And this very story of the Passover then goes on to serve as a marker of belonging for this community as it is reiterated year after year by faithful Jews across history to remember and claim their place as a part of this people. As a member of the people of Israel then, Paul would have understood the importance of the collective to one's relationship with God. And so, as he traveled around teaching people about Jesus, his primary goal became to develop communities of faith. With people joined together, in this case, by not by law and lineage, but by love and faith. For as he writes, all the commandments are summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. For love is the fulfilling of the law. This means that from its inception, Christianity was meant to be communal. For if the only requirement of belonging was to love your neighbor as yourself, and this may sound obvious, but I need to state it outright just to be clear, that requires you to be in relationship with a neighbor, right? Another person that you know well enough to care for and care about. Love cannot exist in isolation. It requires other people. So, if the call to the Christian life is the call to love your neighbor as yourself, then we are called into relationship. And if we are called into relationship, that means we are called into community. For we need a place to practice living out this law of love. Now, how to manage those relationships was tricky and became the object of much of Paul's writing, which we'll discuss more in an adult formation series I'm leading on Paul that begins in a couple of weeks, but it was also central to Jesus' teaching. Today, for example, we have a, a great tutorial on how to try and resolve disputes among the faithful. It's an explanation, though, that assumes, as a follower of Christ, you would be in a group a gathering, an ecclesia, which is the Greek word translated here as church. And the work of that church, that body, that gathering, is the work, Jesus says, of binding, not loosening. The very word religion derives from the Latin religare, which means to bind, to tie together as in uh, ligaments or, or ligatures. So that is the work, then, that we are called to, to bring people together so that they might grow closer to God and to each other, which, Jesus tells us, is actually the same thing. Because when two or three are gathered, I am in the midst of them, he says. Being a part of a community, then, is fundamental to knowing and following God. But I must confess, I didn't always understand this. When I first started going to church uh, as a young adult on my own, this is what I would do. I would slip in just before the service started. I would pick a pew with a, a pillar on the side so I could be sure there was only ever one place where people could sit next to me. I'd get my quiet time with God, I'd listen to some great music, I'd survive the peace, 
I would receive communion, and then I'd slip out during the postlude trying to talk to as few people as possible before I went on my way. Now I recognize that everyone is entitled to a season of life where they must be anonymous, but if that remains the sum total of our engagement with the church, we are only ever getting part of the story. Because to really know God, we have to allow ourselves to be known by God, yes, but also by other people. And sometimes that can actually feel like the more difficult of the two. But it is through our relationships with others that we come to know what it means to love God and to be loved by God. And as I awaken to that fact, I cannot tell you how much more beautiful and powerful my own relationship with God became. But it wasn't until 2020, with the COVID-19 pandemic, that I really came to understand and appreciate that community was not just a nice addition to the spiritual life, but was essential to it. Like many people, I found the absence of communal experiences unexpectedly devastating in an age that prioritizes and prizes the individual, I think many of us have fallen for the fallacy that communal endeavors were somehow antiquated, no longer necessary for 21st century life. And that's why I think we were so surprised at just how much the loss of community left us with a feeling of being deeply depressed and adrift. We learned the hard way, the truth, that our faith traditions have been trying to tell us for millennia that community is central to our functioning and our flourishing as human beings. Which is why this year, as we launch a new season of, of programs and ministries and events here at Christ in St. Luke's, community formation is going to be at the center of everything we do. Our theme for this year is to know and be known. We want to double down on our Christian calling to bind people together as we continue to heal the wounds left behind by a pandemic that shattered our common life. We also want to take seriously the fact that our ongoing construction has disrupted our physical gathering places for so long that we need to do some work to make this place feel like home again. We've also undergone some massive shifts in the composition of our community over the last few years. We've got new priests, new staff, new parishioners to add to this new building, and all this newness is exciting, but it also means change which can be challenging. So before we go anywhere on our journey together, we want to spend a season solidifying the ties that bind us and commit to the essential work of knowing and being known. We'll take this theme in many different directions over the coming months, and we've created a a brochure that I hope you received on your way in that tells you about some of the various offerings for this fall that we will have, and I hope you will be a part of it. We will be getting to know God better through teaching and prayer and study and worship, getting to know each other better through 
fellowship groups, large and small. And one of the most important initiatives that we are going to undertake this year is a process of holy listening. Given all the shifts that I just outlined, we want to gain a better, a fuller understanding of who we are right now as a parish. And we want to do this by getting to know you. We want to meet with you, all of you, because we want to hear from you. We've got questions to ask you about your faith, your, your life, your gifts, your talents, your needs. What are you, what are you passionate about? What skills has God blessed you with? What dreams do you have for your life, for, for the life of our church? We're developing a team who will be reaching out to each and every member of our parish to have these important conversations. So I ask you, please, take that call. Have that meeting. At the same time, we will be reaching out to our city, to organizations and our neighbors, to ask them questions about their dreams, their needs, their gifts. And our hope is that at the end of all this work, we will have a full picture of who we are and what we are capable of, and a better idea of the needs that surround us. And it is at that time that we will determine how God is calling and equipping us to meet those needs and what kind of large-scale initiatives we want to undertake to answer the question of how we, Christ and St. Luke's, want to be known. This is exciting work for us to be doing, and I can't wait to see where it leads, but it all starts with us becoming a place where Okay, maybe not everybody, but at least somebody knows your name. <laughs> and is always glad you came. It starts with solidifying the sense of communitas and caritas. Care and affection and sense of common concern that we have for one another because such work is not ancillary but foundational to the very purpose of our religion. For when we gather in that spirit, we are dwelling in the very presence of God. So please, come, join us, as together this year we discover what a gift it is to know and to be known. Amen.